welcome to To Grow Good, a podcast of conversion stories, to share encounters with the living God, to bear good fruit, a place where others can meet or be inspired to meet God. So get cozy, lean in, and listen close. Miracles are at work, and He wants to meet you too. My name is Rachel Smith, and I'm your host. Now let's start growing some good. Hi, friends, and happy Tuesday. I hope you're off to a great week so far. This week, I cannot wait to share with you the conversion story of Deacon Ryan. But before we get started, I am absolutely overwhelmed. Thank you all so much for anyone who has signed up to become a monthly supporter of To Grow Good or a one-time supporter of To Grow Good over at donorbox.org slash to grow good with dashes between to grow good. You guys are amazing. The Lord is already showing up in so many ways. It's incredible. I have, I already have so many updates for you all. Um, obviously, in time, they will be revealed. Uh, but let's just say the Lord is showing up. Everything that I was talking about, how I had no idea how he was going to make this happen, how to do any of these things that we were dreaming up, he's making a way. And I cannot wait in the coming weeks, in the coming months to reveal it all to you and to get to share it with you. Um, so stay tuned. Your support is going to use. So if you at all are interested in helping us to expand the show, to get it out to even more souls, if you believe in these conversion stories, if they touch your heart at all, please prayerfully consider supporting this show. Um, as you may know in listening to other shows, it is not free to create and put out a podcast and especially not to offer more stories, more content, or to expand it onto more channels Everything has costs associated with it. So if you are interested in helping me expand this mission to follow the Lord wherever he asks, please consider becoming a monthly supporter of the show or even a one-time supporter of the show. Monthly supporters will receive every month an exclusive episode from me on a topic that is currently stirring my heart. So the first one's going to be coming out on April 30th. So if you have become a supporter, a monthly supporter of the show, you will receive in your inbox on April 30th a new episode from me. This one, this month, is going to be about how I personally pray, like what my prayer time looks like. It's different than you might think. It's different than what a lot of people um, maybe even suggest, uh, not in a in a bad way, but it's just everybody is so unique. So the way that you connect with the Lord on a daily basis is going to be just that. It's going to be unique for you. Um, and so I can't wait just to share with you what works for me. Maybe it will speak to you or inspire you to, to want to try it out too. So if you're interested in that, please consider becoming a monthly supporter of To Grow Good for as little as $1 a month, $3 a month, $5 a month, or as much as you want. All the money is going to go toward making this uh, ministry and the show expand and grow to hopefully reach even more people like you who are listening. So again, thank you so, so, so much. There have already been just an outpouring of support and you guys are just incredible. It's amazing to watch how the Lord 
provides and just out of the woodwork, right? You're like, I don't know how this is going to happen. Then all of a sudden, here you go. So it's amazing. I, I this This ride is just awesome. So I'm so happy that you're on it with me. You can find the link to donorbox.org slash 2-grow-good in the episode's description if you just scroll down and you can become a monthly supporter through that link. So I hope that you will and you'll join us on this journey. Um, The monthly gifts are really just that. It's a gift back to you for, for your support and for making this mission happen. Cannot wait to see where this goes. All right. All that being said, let's get to this week's conversion story. If you have not already, please subscribe in your podcast app or whatever app you're listening on. Please go over to YouTube and subscribe over there um, to Grow Good Podcast, Rachel Smith. If you search that, you can subscribe over there, like the videos, watch them, comment on them. All of that helps also to, to get these stories out to more people, especially today's story for Deacon Ryan, because it is so amazing. I love to watch the ways that Our Lady is showing up. Pay attention because the next, this season, Our Lady shows up in such a big way. And truly in Deacon Ryan's story, it's it's amazing the impact that Our Lady had on bringing Deacon Ryan into the Lord's church. So I just can't wait for you to hear this. But first, let's learn a little bit about Deacon Ryan. But first, a message from today's episode sponsor, Catholic Match. Are you feeling called to marriage but struggling to meet others who are striving for sainthood? Well, my friends, there is a solution for you. Welcome to Catholic Match, the largest faith-focused dating app designed for single Catholics. Unlike other dating sites, Catholic Match primarily strives to help singles connect for the purpose of sacramental marriage through direct message, video chat, and more. And not only that... It also provides a place to make new friends in the faith because, let's be honest, these days it's harder than ever to cultivate intimate Catholic community. Create your Catholic love story. Visit catholicmatch.com slash to grow good to create your free Catholic Match account and start meeting fellow-minded Catholics today. Deacon Ryan currently runs and um, is part of a vibrant community, both in person and online. He leads live rosaries, and he's really cultivated such a beautiful Catholic community um, where he lives and across really the world on on his platforms. Um, But it was not always this way. Deacon Ryan really grew up without any kind of formalized or structured idea of, of who God was or what God was or if that was something that we could even believe in. It wasn't until um, really three main influences had an impact on him. His grandmother, um, his soon-to-be or eventual wife, and Our Lady, Our Blessed Mother. And it's amazing to watch how these three women influenced him and brought him closer to Jesus. And so without any other delay, here is the story of Deacon Ryan. Deacon Ryan, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to have you here, and uh, we cannot wait to hear your your story of how you came to the, know the faith and to know God. Um, but can you just start us out by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and what you do right now? Yeah, so um, while I'm 42 years of age, I believe, I'm uh, a permanent deacon 
up way up in the northern part of Alberta, Canada. So I'm incarnated with the Diocese of St. Paul, uh, not St. Paul, Minnesota, but St. Paul in Alberta. And um, I'm married. I've been married for 17 years to uh, my beautiful wife, Anna. And together we have an adopted son who's given us three little granddaughters. And so he's such a blessing in our life. And we have a 12-year-old daughter as well. I work in law enforcement. So I've been basically in some form of public safety for the last 20 years and currently serve as both a traffic uh, peace officer. So mostly doing traffic enforcement, dealing with speeders and, and that sort of thing. And then in the rest of the time, I do ministry with my brothers and sisters in policing as a police chaplain. So I have the opportunity to both work with them in the trenches, but then also serve them um, to take care and help with them um, with their emotional and spiritual well-being. And then uh, as far as ministry goes, I'm very blessed to serve as one of the chaplaincy team members on our local military base. So we have an Air Force base um, in the town near where I live. And so I serve at Holy Name of Jesus Chapel as one of the uh, one of the chaplaincy team members there. Wow, that's awesome. So you have just a little bit going on, especially in the ministry world. So yeah, I can't wait to hear just what led you there and, and why uh, it is that you're doing what you're doing. But let's maybe go back to the beginning. If you could share just a little bit of background um, for your journey in the faith and how you it was that you came to know that God was real and when you kind of had an encounter at a more personal level with with the living God. Yeah. And you know what the way the way I quite often describe it is um that proof for me that God existed is the fact that He's been able to make something so beautiful out of my life despite all of the mistakes that I've made. Um, only God could take all of the times that I've fallen down over the years and turn it into, again, um, where I am today. And so that's, that's been my proof for, for, for a long time. But um, my faith journey, really, it started out at a, at a very young age. Um, my parents were divorced when I was three years old, and both of them very quickly entered into new relationships. And it was quite the mix. So I had um, one fallen away Catholic who was, um, in a sense, um, anti-Catholic. I had an atheist, an agnostic, and a Jehovah's Witness. Wow. And so those were the parents that I had, which isn't exactly the best um, milieu with which to foster a coherent view of um, who and or what God is. And so that was a recipe that could have led to disaster, except for the fact that I had two significant role models. One was I had an older cousin of mine who lived just down the road and would occasionally take me to her church with her family. And um, so that was was one of the kind of foundational things that helped set me on, on the path that I would eventually take. But the big influence in my life was my paternal grandparents. And of those two, despite uh, the silent, more quiet witness of my grandfather, who, again, was, um, you know, St. Joseph incarnate in my life, that quiet, steady, hardworking man who supported uh, the family. But it was my grandmother's faith that was really what 
um, instilled in me at least a concept and understanding at a very early age that there was a God and this kind of um, intangible, un, un, incomprehensible idea that this God loved me. Um, she would take me to her church and and it's an it's a very neat story. I'll take a very brief kind of detour here because mm. my grandmother um, was married to my grandfather for just shy of seventy five years, and all of my life knowing her, she was a practicing non denominational Christian. We when she would take me to her church, it was either the local Baptist church or the local Alliance church, and uh, we kind of bounced between the two. So I never really appreciated it. Um, but she was Ukrainian. And so um, as time went on later on in life, she started to, to suffer from dementia. And in the old folks home that she eventually lived at, I would serve and do liturgies of the word there. And one day when I was walking by her, she put out her hands when I was distributing communion. And I was kind of surprised by that. And so I asked her about it. And she let me know that she was actually baptized Ukrainian Catholic. She was a Catholic. And I never knew that. Um, I was maybe, you know, 38 years old at the time. So I'd known her my entire life. And I did not realize that she was Catholic. She was so spiritual. And she was so faithful. But when she met my grandfather, she stopped practicing in the Catholic Church and took on her husband's religion and, and practiced that. But so I went to our bishop and I asked him if, if she could receive communion. And he said at her age and, and with her dementia, if she wants to receive the Eucharist, let her receive the Eucharist. And so after over 75 years, my grandmother in the last couple of years of her life started to receive the Eucharist wow. again. And then it was very neat in a sense um, that as her dementia progressed, she eventually started to want to receive Holy Communion on the tongue. And then as her dementia progressed even further, she started making the sign of the cross backwards as we would in the Roman Catholic Church. As her mind regressed to her childhood, she started assuming some of these behaviors Mm -hmm. um, that were more comfortable to her from her childhood. And so it's this beautiful story about the grace of God, about how, again, after 75 years, my grandmother and those final um, days of her life was back receiving the Eucharist and she actually received the Eucharist um, the day before she passed. And so it, uh, again, God works in mysterious ways. So here's this non-practicing Ukrainian Catholic, very faithful woman who would take me to her church, but even more than taking me to the church where I received my first Bible, it's on my bookshelf right behind me that I, that I received when I was four, five, six years of age, she just really lived and embodied the gospel. And um, you couldn't help but appreciate how important God was in this woman who we all revered. Um, And so it was really, really difficult to kind of turn your back and not have an interest in God when, when he was so central to, to your beloved grandmother's life. So those were, as I described, those were the seeds that were kind of initially planted. Unfortunately, a few years later, I was, I was, uh, my family moved. And, um, and so I wasn't able to continue attending church. And so for a, a long period of time through my, my teenage years, 
into my early 20s, faith just kind of dropped off the radar. I was curious, curious about what made the world, what made the world work. Um, and so I, I did some research on, on paganism. I did some research on different religions. I read the Bible cover to cover several times through those years, just searching um, and looking back and reflecting on it now. When I look at those events, those significant events in my life, typically the bad events that occurred during those, those times, I am recalling now that I would seek out scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, quite often the Bibles would have that concordance in the back that would say, if you're feeling sad, go to this verse, or if you're <laughs> yeah. feeling happy, go to this verse. And I do remember looking at that concordance and going, I'm absolutely heartbroken. And so Bible, tell me where I have to go and read. And I don't understand what I'm reading, mm. but I feel better after reading it. And um, so, so I, I do remember some of those instances over that period of time. Uh, but again, religion just wasn't a, a central aspect in my life. I dated uh, for, for a period of time a, a Catholic girl who took me to, to, to Mass once, which was my first introduction to the Holy Mass. And I remember being very entranced by the smells and bells and, and the architecture. And, um, but that was just a brief, brief moment. What really was that defining moment was the day when I met my wife. Uh, or who would become my wife. And um, we, we had originally met on the internet and then after a period of time decided that I would, uh, I would head over to the Philippines. Um, I was going to be doing some work there in the Philippines. And so, so met my wife and ended up through an invitation from, from her mother, ended up staying and living with her family. And faith was, Again, for, for my wife from the Philippines and, and for any of you that have had the opportunity to, to travel there, it truly is woven through all aspects of culture. It's very difficult to separate secular and, and faith um, or religion there. You go to a shopping mall and every shopping mall has a chapel. Um, wow. You know, Holy Week, um, historically, things shut down, like the whole country just slowly kind of ground to a halt. Um, over Holy Week. And so meeting my wife, it, it wasn't something that I, I really appreciated when I first met her. But but when I went there, Catholicism just permeated every aspect of the time that I spent there. When we traveled, we would go to churches. When we would, we, it just happened that I was there during April. And so I was there during Holy Week and seeing the beautiful processions through the streets of, of, you know, these old Spanish um, towns with the cobblestone and people carrying, you know, the big statues of Our Lady Mother. And you, you couldn't help but be touched by it. We did the different traditions there. I believe it's on Good Friday and um, where you travel to seven different churches and pray the Stations of the Cross. And so I followed along with her and she's what I describe as the perfect evangelist. She, she didn't hit me over the head with the Bible. Um, you know, I don't even think she even, you know, 
just verbally prayed uh, around me. But there was definitely times when we were traveling when I would go to talk to her and she would say, just be quiet. I'm, I'm, I'm praying right now, which she still does to this day every morning on her drive into work. It's prayer time for her. But she would take me to mass. She would take me to these churches. And whenever you walked into her house, the first place you would go would be to the statue of Mama Mary. And it captured me. It, it really did. But it was kind of lumped in with her, too. Yeah, she, yeah. Cap- she captured me at the same time. And so was I, was I entranced by Catholicism at that point? Or was I entranced by this beautiful lady that I fell madly in love with. I, I can't separate the two, but I do know that what captured me about her was the depth of her faith, was how important this faith was to her. And so um, after spending 60 days together, we got married. Um, wow. You know, when you know, when you know, when you know, they're the one, why wait? So, <laughs> so we, uh, we were very quickly married and We were married outside of the church. Um, I didn't know the rules. She really wasn't fully aware of the rules, but we got married outside of the church and, um, and started our life together. And part of her life was going to mass every weekend. And so I started to attend mass every weekend. And, um, and then it's, it's kind of funny. Um, I actually went out and I bought a book called Catholicism for Dummies and uh, it's still (laughs) out there, but I was like, Hey, do you know what? I need the Coles notes here. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the, give me the quick version. Yeah. yeah, Give me the quick version. Cause there's, I know I've already figured out there's a lot to know and how am I ever going to learn that? So yeah, give me, give me the easy way. The nice old yellow cover Catholicism for Dummies. I I knew that was my (laughs) safe bet. Um, Fast forward many years, I was talking to a priest who uh, appeared on Catholic Answers, and uh, and all of a sudden I made the connection, and I'm like, "Hey, you wrote that book, oh Catholicism for Dummies," wow. and he's like, "Yeah, that's that's I wrote that book," and I said, "That book was a huge thing in my conversion," and so God bless you, and uh, Father Chagilio, who was uh, one of the one of the uh, the authors of that. But at any rate, so I buy, I buy this book and I start reading it. And in conjunction with learning about that and going to the mass, I was, I was just entranced by, by the church. I grew up, uh, again, I was, uh, I was a military member before I became a police officer. And so things like the fact that um, there was order, there was structure, that Um, I could look up in the calendar six months from now and I could tell you what color of vestments the priest was going to be wearing. And the fact that there was, um, again, that, that, that there, that again, it's that the, the order and and the structure of it is, um, the history again, history was something that was really big for me that really touched me, but being a police officer, you're trained to disbelieve everything you're trained to be a skeptic. Mm. And um, so there was aspects of the faith that just weren't quite jiving for me that I was, I need proof. That's I'm trained as a police officer. You don't act on anything unless you have hard evidence, concrete proofs. 
And if you don't, then you, you, you don't action that. That's a really uh, difficult place to be a, a trained skeptic, to be trying to em- embrace a faith. And so I was still struggling, still struggling, but enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, as we were, you know, praying various devotionals and, and again, going through a day-to-day life of trying to, to come to understand this faith and, and come to understand God, I started to feel this affection towards Our Lady Mother. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I've had a, a challenging relationship with, uh, with my, my mother that's been a, a long-standing challenge. I don't know if it was that, if it was um, just my wife's witness. Maybe it was the Philippine Catholic, again, love for, as, as we refer to her as Mama Mary. I don't know what it was, but as I, as I read about Our Lady Mother, as I, as I started praying to her to, to, to pray for me, all of a sudden I was like, this, this affection here, this is more than affection. I, I love this, this woman. And what shocked me even more is that I, I knew that she loved me. But this is, this is my skeptical mind is going, okay, you're, you're supposed to be learning. You're reading your Catholicism right. for dummies. You're <laughs> learning about the faith. Where, where does this, this love come into this? What is this emotional response? Like, how, how does that fit? Because I can't disprove love. I can't, no matter how skeptical I am, there's, I, I, I can't deny that I feel love from a woman who died 2,000 years ago. This does not make sense. And yet I know without a doubt that she loves me. And what was so neat about it is the church that we were going to, there's a a city down in the central part of of Alberta called Red Deer. And uh, a church there that you either love it or you hate it um, because it's a unique kind of non-traditional architectural design. But inside of that church, they have a massive, massive, crucifix with Jesus on it. It's probably, oh, I don't, you know, between 20 and 30 feet high that takes wow. up an entire wall of the whole church. And so when, when you're there and when you preach about the cross, when you hear about the cross, um, it's there. There's no denying it. There's no misinterpreting it. It's right there in the church. And our Lady Mother, the more I fell in love with her and the more I appreciated her love for me, she kept on leading me to the cross. Mm. I kept on having all of these challenges in my life as I, as I deepened my faith, but still wasn't quite sure about this Jesus um, who was God. I still was fighting my skeptical, skeptical mind, um, but desiring so much to believe. Um, so as I'm going through this process and gradually forming the decision that, yes, I, I think I do want to become Catholic. Um, my wife has 
made this a requirement, but I think I do want to become Catholic. There kept on being stumbling blocks. Um, so again, RCIA program, fairly straightforward program. Well, try fitting RCIA into a police officer's schedule mm. where you're on call, you're working shift work. And so try and try, and I couldn't get RCIA to match up with my life. And so it just wasn't working. And I was getting frustrated, and I'm like, you know what? Why? Like, God, I'm trying to become Catholic. I'm trying to do this. I'm starting to feel hungry for the Eucharist. I'm starting to feel like I need to receive you. I'm starting to feel kind of petulant and disgruntled every time I go up at mass and simply get a blessing. <laughs> um, I, I think there's something to this. I want more. And yet you keep on putting stumbling blocks in front mm -hmm. of me. And what I realize now is that I hadn't, fully come to understand our Lord yet. And so what I viewed as stumbling blocks was in reality, our lady mother gently and persistently grabbing me by the hand and taking me to the foot of that big cross that we had in our church and saying, look at my son. Look at how much he loves you. So you've fallen in love with me. But everything I am and everything I do points to him. Mm. And so you're not ready yet because you don't love him yet. And in order to love him, you have to appreciate the cross. And so as I had those stumbling blocks, as I had those, those challenging experiences in my first few years of, of policing, our Lady Mother gradually brought me to the foot of the cross. And every time she brought me back, I couldn't look away. You know, again, here's this man who, at that point, you know, the first thing was to, to in my mind, appreciate the historical Jesus lived, and then to appreciate the historical suffering that our Jesus experienced, and to realize that any single individual would go through that for me, again, started to, to, to build upon that and to build my appreciation and my love for this man who suffered so greatly for me. And from there, it was the next step to go, this man who suffered so greatly for me is and was and always will be God. And so eventually, Our Lady Mother led me to a love for her son. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing when I realized how much I loved him and how much he loved me. And so as it works with the Holy Spirit so often, um, we were headed back to the Philippines for a visit with Anna's uh, family. And um, so I was personally catechized by, by a seminarian at, uh, at the local uh, shrine basilica. And, um, or sorry, the basilica shrine. And um, before I left at the end of that month, I received my sacraments of initiation and was welcomed into the Catholic Church. Wow. And so it was a matter of I wasn't ready yet. And, um, and Our Lady Mother helped to prepare me. So 
in a sense, you know, my, my catechist was our lady mother. She's the one that helped me um, to, again, appreciate what it was that, um, that I was signing up for, what it was that I was asking for. And so received into the, the Catholic church and, uh, and flew back, back home after that and uh, started serving in the church. And it was, uh, was my good friend who was the, the pastor who one day heard about the fact that uh, he heard or saw a picture of our wedding that uh, was outdoors at our family farm and said, well, when were, you, when were you married in the church? We said we weren't. And he said, oh, my gosh, the scandal. <laughs> you're, you're, you're an active minister. You're an acolyte at all of this. And your wife does hospital ministry. And here you are not married in the church. And so um, he, he took care of everything. And we, we very quickly um, had our, our marriage convalidated. And, um, and then that started kind of the journey. So that was kind of, you know, phase one of the journey. And then, and then it very quickly, he and, and the other priest in the parish who, who's still a very good friend of mine, um, planted the seed of the diaconate and started a whole nother journey. Do you believe in the power of conversion stories? Has this show moved you in some way? Join the Branches of the Vine community of supporters. You will be making this show happen and you'll be helping it grow and expand into new avenues to reach even more souls. Visit togrowgood.com slash support to join for as little as $3 a month. This link is also a live link in today's episode description. If you just scroll down, you'll be able to click right there to join us. As a gift back to you, you will gain access to an underground bonus podcast That's right, a collection of monthly episodes on a series of different topics that stir my heart, in addition to behind-the-scenes updates on where he's leading this ministry and more. You are the light of the world. Thank you so much for supporting me in this mission and stepping out on the water to wherever he calls me next. Let's see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to, I want to get to that too, because I'm actually really curious, like how that even works and how, how you got to be led into that as well. But oh my gosh, your story is just so beautiful. I love how Our Lady played such a role. I think it's just incredibly powerful and how it's so true. I think, and more and more, I feel like people are being drawn to Our Lady. Um, and drawn to the rosary. And just like, even when they're not Catholic, you know, I'm seeing this kind of movement toward it. And it's just so beautiful to watch how I think she does. She softens our heart. And then when the time is right, you know, like, I feel like that's what I love about your story is just like how sometimes we feel really lost, but when you're, when you're trusting and following, like, he's going to lead you where you need to go when you need to go there and not to like worry, I guess, in the, in the kind of messiness of it, that you're still taking steps forward, even when it seems like you're just going in circles. But like, I feel like all those things you had to experience, like you were saying to get to that point in the Philippines when like it all kind of just like came together and it was like the right time, you know? Cause I just love to reflect on that because I think there's a lot to like learn from that. Even when we feel 
like we're in the season of like drought or confusion or like we're going in circles, like the Lord is using that too, you know, and our lady is using that too, to get you closer or to take that next step uh, to them. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, reflecting back in time, you know, okay, so my lady, our lady mother played this beautiful role in my life. Well, when, when you look back, my birthday is October the 7th, which is Our Lady of the Rosary. Oh, wow. so, so here I was, I was born on one of her feast days. And then when I was three years old, my fallen away mo- uh, Catholic mother gave me a glow-in-the-dark rosary that she had. And wow. what I would do at nighttime, at three years old, what do you do when you have something? You put it in your mouth. And so at night, I would chew on this rosary. And as time would go on, every once in a while, a bead would break off. And I would either spit it out, or sometimes I'd actually swallow it by accident. And over the years, I actually chewed through this entire rosary, um, as you know, a three, four year old child. But I laugh now. And I say that, you know, without even knowing it, you know, our lady mother was infusing the rosary into yes. the very cells of my being um, because I literally ate a rosary. Um, but I, I never, I didn't appreciate that as a child. I didn't yeah. appreciate how in all of that messiness, again, there's just all of it, you know, again, there was a right order to it in God's eyes. And God was building upon all of these failures and successes, which ultimately led me to where I was meant to be. But, but absolutely, it's so hard when we're spinning our wheels or we're going in circles or whatever to just be able to, 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 to trust that our Lord, again, is, is, is guiding us through all of that. And, um, and sometimes those challenges are there for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But so then how did, yeah, how did the, um, yeah, your next chapter of your story come about? How did you get led kind of into the roles that you're in today and in the ministry and the way that you're sharing the faith? Because how beautiful that it took this period for you to grow to the faith, but then to not stop and to continue to go deeper is just beautiful. So yeah, could you share about that? Yeah, well, you know what, it, it, it kind of follows a kind of a similar trajectory where, again, being led to the cross, again, those those roadblocks, because so there I am newly, um, newly welcomed into the church, uh, a neophyte of the faith. And I went through that typical stage, many converts do that honeymoon stage where I was like, in a million ministries, I was doing everything I was on fire and and I would do a night shift and I'd get off at four o'clock in the morning and I'd get home in bed by 5 a.m. And then I'd set my alarm for 7 a.m. so that I could get up and go to daily mass at 8, serve as an acolyte. Then I'd go home, get a little bit more sleep, get up, and then I'd work another 10-hour night shift. Um, Just crazy on fire for our Lord. And um, the two two priests at the parish, the one who, who, again, originally focused on our convalidation, he has since passed. And so um, pray for the repose of the soul of Father Gary Lee. And um, the other priest, who who is one of my best friends, Father Paul Cavanaugh, the two of them were like, dude, you're, you're like serving with us. And it's like really cool to hang out and we go bowling and we have a beer every once in a while. And 
But what would be even cooler than this is if you became a deacon, because then like we could hang out all the time. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. I don't know what a deacon is, but it like, what what do I get to do? Oh, you get to like baptize babies and you get to wear the same kind of clothes that we do. And Hey, yeah, that sounds really cool. So can we book an appointment with the vocations director? Sure. Honestly, I can't imagine what that poor vocations director thought when I rolled into that office going like, yeah, so I heard there's this cool deacon thing that I can do. And I think it would be really awesome because then I can wear cool clothes and do cool things like just (laughs) so immature in my in my appreciation of what the diaconate was. We didn't have a parish deacon. So and I'd never even seen a deacon before, but it sounded really, really cool. And and so the the vocations director, it was a very short meeting. And um, because at the time I was 20, 25 ish years old, 26 years old. And to be ordained as a married permanent deacon, you need to be 35. And so regardless of of my lack of understanding of the diaconate, uh, it was canonically way too early. But real, you know, realistically, um, at that point in time, was it truly a vocational call or was it just a desire? Retrospectively, looking back at it now, yeah, it was a vocational call, but a very non-conventional one. Mm. Um, and it was a, a call that was, was not quite ready to, to, to reach fruition yet. Um, you know, cause again, typically the, the, the kind of cookie cutter pattern deacons are, are retired men who do lots of things around the church and people approach them and say, Hey, you know what, you should think about becoming a deacon. And, and then in humility, cause most deacons are, are deeply humble men. They say, no, that's, you know, I, I'm not worthy for that. And then after a couple of years, they finally say yes and stop chasing uh, or start trying to stop trying to run away from, from our Lord and, and, uh, and go on to become deacons. Here I was 25 years old with no humility whatsoever, <laughs> um, chasing the vocation rather than, you know, our Lord chasing me. And um, so, so basically the vocation got put on hold. And life goes on. I continued on with my career and had several career changes, became a homicide detective, and then eventually chose family over the job and left and did several other different jobs, all within that kind of um, public safety um, environment. And my family and I, we, we moved to the Philippines. We actually lived there for a period of time. I went through some dark nights of the soul. I went through some periods where, again, I, I, I had issues with, with the institutional church. And so ups and downs in my relationship with God, always steadily building upon my relationship um, with our Lord. But just as in any relationship, there was some times when, when I went to bed and I wasn't talking to him. And, um, you know, and, and it would take me a while before I would appreciate where I had wronged him and uh, ask for forgiveness. So, so the relationships, you know, my relationship with our Lord, you know, kind of through its ups and downs. And again, the cross, this is, this is, I had successes, I had failures, I had failed business attempts and, um, you know, challenges. We, we ended up having, when we moved to the Philippines, 
we moved to the Philippines with the the situation of having a father here in Canada dying of cancer and a father in the Philippines dying of cancer mm. and having to choose between which dad we were going to be able to journey with um, at the end stages of their life. Crosses, crosses, crosses. But again, looking back retrospectively, preparation, preparation, mm-hmm. preparation, and grace and, and gift and love. Um, but at the time, it doesn't feel like that. You know, mm-hmm. at the time, it just feels like, God, why do you keep on heaping all of this on top of me? But just the same as, again, cookie cutter, this, these two journeys, but, but cookie cutter almost. Feeling cross, feeling cross, feeling cross. And then we moved back to Canada. And when we came back to Canada, I just made a very conscious decision. Do you know what? I need to, to really work on my relationship with God. Like we, we need to start treating this like a relationship. And I need to work on this. And I need to develop it. And I need to spend time with God. And so back, you know, to the sacraments and, and back moving Christ into the center of our life. I went to the local pastor and I said, you know what? I said, number of years back, I had these two crazy priests who said I should become a deacon. And I've actually been praying about it. And I think God is actually calling me to become a deacon. And the priest said, well, that's interesting because our diocese has only ever had one class of deacons before. But our second class is starting in a couple of months. Of course. And I said, wow, okay, so this is, and he said, but I don't know you well enough, and you need the recommendation of your pastor, and I don't feel confident writing a recommendation letter because I don't know you. Door slammed on my face again. Here we are back Mm. at the cross. And I said, well, I said, would you be able to, would the bishop accept uh, a reference letter from my friend who was one of the original ones that recommended it. And so he said, who is this priest? And I told him without realizing it, that my bishop and my friend had served in the same diocese, knew each other very well. And so my bishop, when he said, oh, he's got a recommendation from Father Paul Kavanaugh. Absolutely. That's good enough for me. Within a couple of months, I had started formation for the diaconate. And so again, um, appreciating now that I needed to be at the foot of the cross in order to grow, in order to, to mature, in order to discern and to have all of my selfish desires stripped away. And for me to really, to have a desire to simply serve our Lord, however he wanted me to serve, not my ideas, not it being cool to wear you know, vestments and, um, and to be able to, you know, preside over sacraments, but to be able to be confident in giving up my life in service to, to the church and to our Lord. And so I started formation and thanks be to God four years after that fiat there. Um, and that invitation from our Lord to serve, I was ordained as a permanent deacon and have been serving now I'm two and a two, two and a half years into my ministry. So I still have new deacon smell. Hasn't quite worn off yet. 
<laughs> that's but, awesome uh, though. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, that's amazing. I love, I love how you explained that whole thing, just how the seed was planted and yet you had so much, yeah, growing to do and life to experience until you kind of came back around. But I love it that it never really left the back of your mind, you know, that you even had that desire still. And you're like, hey, somebody mentioned this like, you know, a long time ago and still kind of there. That desire is still there, which is just incredible that uh, all that time. But that's exactly how God works. Yeah. He just places something in our path and then uses everything to then call you when you're when you're ready so I just love so much about your story, just how I think sometimes, yeah, just how in the in the thick of it, like you were saying, you don't see it. You're kind of like, what is going on, Lord? Like, where are we going with this? <laughs> and then when you when you grow into it, you, you grow enough to look, be able to look back and be like, that makes, you know, it makes so much sense that it, it happened the way it happened for a reason. And yeah, I love, I love so much about what you shared. Um, but yeah, so I guess, how would you say he's played a role in your life? I mean, we've talked a lot about this, but what would you say, maybe if you could name one of your greatest challenges and one of your greatest joys that this relationship with God has brought into your life? Yeah. You know what? I think for me, just very pragmatically, I'd say one of my biggest challenges has always been consistency. That's always been my problem is um, is I get very busy and I get caught up in things like, for example, I, I worked for the church for three years. And so, you know, I would go home after a 16 day in the chancery and I would say, do you know what? I spent 16 hours working for our Lord today. I don't need to worry about praying. I'm, mm. I'm good. And again, suffered from that, again, from that over-reliance on working in the church or over-reliance on the graces that come with holy orders. Um, so consistency has always been a challenge for me, that recognition that regardless of what I'm doing, I can offer every moment of the day as prayer. Absolutely. Again, um, the little flower and her little way, again, I'm a huge fan of the mum at the kitchen sink, you know, again, doing the dishes and offering it as a prayer. Amen. I'm, I'm a converted on that. But I think we also do need to, and what's always been important for me and one of my greatest challenges, is to, again, have that passionate love for our Lord. Again, to, um, to nurture that, to go on date nights. Again, let's turn some of this terminology and, you know, this fear that we have in, in contemporary culture for, you know, men having authentic, you know, fraternal love for each other. But I need to go on a date night with Jesus. I need to spend time working on my relationship with him. A different form of prayer. Again, just as we can go through our lives with our spouses and we can, we can build a life together. We can go to bed every night together. We can wake up every moment together and we can focus on, on all those aspects. And yet we still need to nurture yeah. that, again, um, that marital love that we have for each other. The same goes for a relationship with God. And I struggle in that. Um, I really do. And so what I would say, one of my 
the flip side of that, one of my greatest joys, which the Holy Spirit has given me as a joy to help account for my weakness. Again, that recognition that we're part of the mystical body of Christ, the church. And, you know, we're all comfortable with there's a hand and there's a foot and we all have different roles. But I think, you know, it goes even deeper to that, to appreciate that within our family units, within our parish units, within the church, that those areas that I have weakness in, our Lord places people in our lives, if we're open to that realization, who can, again, complement our weaknesses. And so I struggle with maintaining and, and, and taking the time to build my relationship with Jesus, um, despite all of the work that I do for him. And so one of the greatest joys he's given me is this ability through my ministry to journey with people, to be, um, to be with them in those challenging moments, those moments of joy, and to have them lead me again to prayer, have them remind me that I need to build that relationship vicariously through them to experience that deep, passionate love. Again, I use the example, one of the, the main staples of, of my ministry is leading others in the rosary. And again, through meditating on those mysteries, by leading others, number one, it holds me accountable because I commit to leading others in prayer. I'm more than willing to shortchange myself, but I won't shortchange the people that I commit to. And so right there, it helps me to, to keep consistent in my prayer life. We're meditating on those mysteries of our Lord and Savior. So I'm constantly, again, thinking and meditating upon the great gift our Lord has given us, how he's worked in our lives, um, meditating on his life. And then by lifting up the intentions of the people that I pray with, by entering into their vulnerability, entering into the challenges and the joys of their life, I'm reminded consistently and overwhelmingly about how much God loves us. Mm. And again, and that feeling that, that washes over us of God's love by very nature, the way man has been created stimulates a response. Again, stimulates in me a reply to that love, which is an ever deepening love for Jesus Christ. And that's again, that's facilitated through others. That's facilitated yeah. through their gift of coming and joining me in prayer. And so our Lord has given me the antidote to my greatest weakness. And, um, and again, it's, it's a, a beautiful gift. I love that. I just love what you were saying about how it's through others. I think he's really speaking into that for me lately too. Just like, noticing how others that he's put in my life are there for a reason and that it's in the relationship that you live out your call. Like it's in those relationships that he's trying to teach you things and, and show you things and help you along in what it is that you need to grow in or learn in or when you need to rest, like letting someone provide for you, you know? And I think that's something that I struggle with too, you know? I'm such a like go-getter about everything and I'm like, let's go, Lord, we got this. But then also learning, I think he's really teaching me to also rest, like how to rest and how 
he wants to provide for for me through others to to grow deeper without the it's all on my shoulders or it's all on you it's it's let me bring others into your life to sh- to show you more you know deeper ways that we can grow in this relationship so i love what you said about that it's so true and it's so good um but what have been some of your standout influences? Are there any that you would like to mention, whether it's a book or a speaker or a podcast or anything like that, that you would want to mention? Yeah. You, well, obviously, you know, Catholicism for, for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I gotta give, I gotta give props to that book. Um, you know, it seems so silly and yet it would be one of my go-tos for, you know, somebody who's toying with, you know, again, crossing the Tiber. And, you know, there's some great philosophical, theological um, convert stories out there. I think, I think Dr. Scott Hahn, who's been a big influence on me, I think he even wrote, I think his book is called Crossing the Tiber, or it's one of the big converts. Yeah, I think one of them, yeah. Yeah, Crossing the Tiber. But um, Father John Tregilio is just so accessible in that book. And, you know, for me, it was just great. But, um, a huge moment for me was was reading um, Pope Benedict's Jesus of Nazareth series. Mm-hmm. That was a, a big moment for me to see, because again, Pope you know Pope Benedict he he had kind of a, a a rough exterior to him. Many people you know again he was more serious, and again his whole upbringing he was the defender of orthodoxy, and 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 so you know, he was kind of a, a black and white guy is how people interpreted him kind of, you know, kind of grouchy in some ways, especially when you compare him to just the charismatic, you know, St. JP two, and then Pope Francis now sandwiched in between, you know, Pope Benedict didn't have that same polish. And yet to read the Jesus of Nazareth series and to see Jesus through his eyes, not only did I fall in love with Pope Benedict, but I came to an even greater appreciation for who Jesus was and is today. Again, the historical Jesus um, and Jesus, the son of the son of God. Um, it, it would, that was a huge moment for me. And so, you know, I highly recommend that complimenting again, Pope Benedict's view. I'm a huge fan of the chosen. Um, yes. I think Dallas and Jonathan are doing amazing things there to connect with, again, um, Jesus, the man, and to, to fill in through an artistic interpretation of what might have existed between the lines of scripture. I find that that was, it was a huge moment for my daughter. It was a huge moment for our family to journey through the first season and, um, has just, again, ignited a curiosity, ignited, um, discussion in our family um, theological debates, and then just a comfort with engaging with Jesus in a much more personal way. And uh-huh. um, so I'm a huge fan of that. But, you know, Dr. Scott Hahn, Father Mike Schmitz, um, you know, I'm a big fan of his, um, the Catholic Stuff You Should Know podcast. I think the fathers are phenomenal with that. And one of the one of the fellows that doesn't have the same notoriety as as some of them do but who really touches me, just has brought me to tears, is Father Rob Ketchum and um, Peter's Boat. 
he was um, up until recently was a, a college or high school chaplain and um, was doing videos. He doesn't do them as often anymore because he's now transferred in as a, as a parish priest. He's a lot busier. Hmm. But if you're on Facebook, I, I don't know where else they are, but um, petersboat dot, or petersboat.net. But if you look up Father Rob Ketchum, his videos, that, that um, father just has a way of just touching my heart and hmm. communicating what it is that he's trying to communicate in a way that not only facilitates in me a greater understanding, but a greater love for our Lord. And yeah. so um, I'm a big fan of him. Awesome. And then I, the other things, you know, that have been huge in my life are our personal re uh, retreats with the Benedictines. Mm. I'm a huge fan of people spending time with the Benedictines, just the aura at labora, the prayer and work is an opportunity to, to spend some time in a place where it feels like, and I know this isn't, um, this, this isn't the reality, but it feels like the veil between heaven and earth is so much thinner there. Hmm. Again, when you hear the, the monks again, chant and, uh, and go through that, that structured day for me, those are, are moments that I cherish. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, the rosary for me, it's, it's the cornerstone of my ministry. And um, again, it's my way. I know it's been described with, you know, praying the rosary is like spending time holding the hand of our lady mother. And it's, it's the time that I, I spend with this woman who, who has loved me from the very beginning and who brought me to her son. Um, I, I, I owe, I owe all to her. And, um, and again, that's my, that's my, that's my daily thank you to her for bringing me to her son. Beautiful. Wow. Incredible. I love all so many of the things you mentioned. I'm definitely going to check out some of them as well. Um, but the last question I hope to ask everyone who comes on at the end is, can you share with us one scripture verse that is either speaking to you recently or that played a foundational role in your journey and why? Can I give you, can I give you two? Yes, of course. Okay. Cause I was, I was trying, I was trying and I'm like, I, I can't pick, I can't pick. <laughs> so, um, one of, one of these is, um, I'll give you the one that's kind of been more ongoing and then one that's just been really touching me lately. So, so the one that is, has been, um, again, longer for me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. The power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And so that scripture is a source of my strength. It's informed my ministry where, where one of the, one of the things that I, I try to be countercultural within the clergy world is that I share my weaknesses um, that I don't try and hide them. I'm a sinner, just like everyone else, despite the graces that I received at, uh, you know, through holy orders. I still sin. I still am a weak man. I fail. And um, I, I don't hide that. And, and I ask for prayers. I ask for people to pray for me in my weakness. 
But again, it's through my weakness that I come to the cross, that I come to realize that all good things come from God. They don't come from me. They come from God. But today, today, okay, and especially for, uh, you know, the world that we're living in right now, um, whenever this is released, I'm certain, unfortunately, that COVID will probably still be um, you know, a reality for us. But again, I go back to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Mm. And again, my brothers and sisters, our Lord is the way out. Again, our Lord is the strength to endure it. And so this piece of scripture is the one that today I'm reading a lot more um, than I maybe have at other times in my life. But our Lord is the way, the truth, and the life. Again, it's all that this, uh, the challenges that we're experiencing today are, should be doing for us is simply reminding us that we need to place our hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. And yeah. if we let her, our Lady Mother will take us right to the foot of the cross. She'll point us right to her son. And she will help us to love him, to trust him, to know him. Um, he's, he's, our, he's our way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've actually, I, I don't know if I've ever heard that one. I've heard people refer to it, like talk, like God doesn't give you more than you can handle. You know, people say that, right? But I don't think I've ever actually heard that scripture verse from start to finish. That is incredibly powerful. And um, wow, I'm going to definitely go sit with that for a while. That was awesome. So thank you for bringing that bringing that to light and, uh, and calling it out because I think that's incredibly powerful and helpful in these times. So, wow. Thank you so much, Deegan, Ryan, for coming on and just sharing your story and being so vulnerable. And like you said, sharing all your weaknesses and your, your dark times and how they've led to deeper growth and in your relationship with Christ. It's just, it's all been so inspiring. And so thank you. Well, there's, there's, you know, there's a, uh, a bit of a selfish desire there because I know I'm going to be going through more challenging times and, and how I get through those challenging times again is partly through the prayers of, of everyone who prays for me. And so my, my sincere desire is that if, if listening to my testimony will give people the strength to realize that even those of us that wear a collar go through those challenging times um, that we still need everyone's prayers, but also um, that we're there to journey with you. And, uh, and that I, I, I sincerely believe in the power of prayer, the power of a common, common path. And so I'll be there with whoever needs me walking alongside them, falling Amazing. down just as often as they are. Yes. Um, and on we'll that do note, it together. yeah. Where can people go if they want to find you or follow your ministry um, online? Yeah, so I'd love it for people to to join with our prayer community. Um, we typically most everything is through my Instagram account. I'm new to Instagram, so it's been a bit of a change, but um, which is just Deacon Ryan. So D C N R Y A N. Easy to find me on 
Instagram. I do have a web page, deaconryan.com, D-C-N-R-Y-A-N.com, where people can contact me to, for retreats or, or whatever. But um, I'm on Instagram every day leading live rosaries and starting to do some live broadcasts of my morning and evening prayer. But awesome. one of the biggest things that I spend time with on Instagram is just responding to, to messages, um, people asking for prayers. And um, I'm, I try to be as accessible as I possibly can with the time constraints that I have. But if you do send me a message for, uh, for prayer, um, I always respond. And Amazing. so, again, God bless uh, everyone that listens. And I'd, I'd love to, again, hear their stories as well. Thank you again. All right. Bye, Diggy Ryan. Thank you so much for growing some good with us today. Visit us at togrowgood.com slash podcast to find links to everything we mentioned in today's conversation. If you enjoyed today's conversation, would you please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or on whatever app you're listening from? Reviews help podcasts to show up higher in search results so that more people can find these incredible stories of the Lord at work. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend, a family member, or a coworker who might enjoy the conversation as well. Find us on Instagram at to grow good. See you next week.